This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraus. Thanks for listening. I'm James Graham, Director of Publications at Columbia GSAP and the school's imprint, Columbia Books on Architecture and the City. During the opening days of the 2017 Chicago Architecture Biennial, Columbia GSAP co-hosted the conference Making Books Now with biennial curators Sharon Johnson and Mark Lee. We invited biennial participants who deliberately explored bookmaking in various ways as means to produce and express architectural thought. The event was structured as a series of conversations in which the architects were asked not to present their own work, but instead to engage and respond to one another's recent publications. This podcast is one in a series of six of these exchanges recorded at the Chicago Cultural Center on September 15th, 2017. This episode features Freak Persane of the Brussels-based 51N4E, who last year published the book How Things Meet, alongside Tatiana Bilbao of Mexico City-based Tatiana Bilbao Estudio, whose recent book is Landscapes of Faith, Architectural Interventions Along the Mexican Pilgrimage Route. I like the title of your book, How Things Meet, and it's coincidentally that we never met before, so this is how we meet, <laughs> sitting here. This is the first time we've seen each other. Um, for me, it was a pleasure to have your PDF in my hand, and right now was even more to, because I've never seen it physically, with the scale that it has. Specifically, it resonated a lot with me. I really, really immersed myself in Triana with this photo novel you did in the beginning. And I was wondering, why was your decision of doing that in, as, as the first part of the book? Yes. Indeed, the book has uh, two parts. So it might be a bit abstract for people that haven't seen the book, because it's indeed a book in two parts. The first, the first part is a, a story, a kind of novel written by an Albanian uh, woman. This also here in the audience, Falma Shazi. The second part is more of a dry project documentation, almost like an archive. And actually, the book exists in two versions. So the first part exists in its own right, in a hardcover version, and is, is in that sense a photo novel that also exists in Albanian. The idea was to produce a book for the tower that we built, because it's a very strange place, Tirana, on first sight, and a lot of its qualities are not perceived as qualities. And so that's, that's where the idea came from, to ask Stefano Graziani, a photographer, who has the sensibility to see the beauty of the place, to make a photo novel, and to ask Falma to write a text, so that people that would encounter this, the tower, and that they would maybe from the tower look at the context. Because the tower is a five-star hotel, so it's a very also strange place in Tirana. It's, it's one of the places which are maybe more international in that, uh, in that city. And so that's, that's how the book came, came to life. Um, to identify yourself with any of the, or the, mm. the characters, because for me, I, since I'd never met before, I was, I'd imagined yourself being one of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, that's maybe also more of a question to Falma. So yeah, again, for the audience, all very obscure. The novel or the short story is about a person that has heard about the project in Tirana, and this person is called Eya and goes on a trip to Tirana and discovers somehow on this 24 or 84 hours trip the city and get, also meets other people. And what is interesting, I think, is that in Albanian, apparently you can write 
not only male or female gender, but there's also a kind of undefined neutral. neutral gender that you can, so you somehow can write in such a way that you cannot guess what the gender of a person is. We had people reading the text, although they read it in English, that thought that the main character was male and other that thought that the main character was female. So you can somehow project yourself in that text. And that's also what we liked about writing about our adventure in Tirana, which is an adventure of since 2004. We somehow grew up publicly as an architect, also by working in that city. And this, the short story indeed captures some of that energy somehow also says something about the very unstable or very unplanned way of, of working and how architecture, I think, is an interesting discipline because you can somehow structure that uncertainty. You can find your path along the way. So that that's, was the idea of writing that story. And I think Falma did a great job. The English translation happened a bit too quick, I think. So it might not be the best translation, but... Yeah, the Albanian version is apparently extremely poetic. Also, the but it is in English as well, so I don't know the Albanian. So. No, 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 no. But, um, <laughs> Nobody that knows knows not knows the Albanian. No, there's, fine. there's yeah, there's nothing to compare. Uh, no, but she, uh, I also say it because Falma said herself that sometimes she finds the translation misses a bit of subtlety, but that's how it goes with translation. So, so maybe I should ask a question back to confuse the audience a bit more and jump from one book to another. I was also wondering why they were pairing us. And then if I see the pictures of Iwan Ban, I don't know if he's here, I immediately understood why, because there's a kind of obvious visual similarity to the work of Stefano and to the work of Iwan. And what strikes me in the pictures is um, you made a project, which is a series of architectural interventions across a route. and. Um, What strikes me in the pictures is that you see the context very much, but you also see how these interventions maybe don't... Yeah, there's a kind of constant conflict between the interventions and the context. So and that's maybe also something that you can ask about the work that we do in Albania. So you look for what you were describing as a sense of belonging, but maybe this is an impossible dream. And I was wondering how... how How does it actually work, these series of interventions in a route which is taken by so many people who have a very different culture, which have maybe a whole different set of sensibilities than the architects that have worked for, for them? First of all, I, we haven't done any books before. I'm very, I'm very afraid always of books because I think they freeze things in a moment where it's probably dangerous. I mean, I, I like when other people do books, but I'm always afraid to do books of my work. And this time, Lars and Iwan approached me to see if we were able to think on publishing this project. Iwan has been photographing the development of the project since it was there was nothing. Mm. And, and then when all the interventions came along, he, he went every year for five years to photograph the pilgrimage every holy season. Mm. This is when it happens more profoundly. So, in a way, Lars proposed an idea of creating like an, a photo narrative only, and with the projects just inserted there. And exactly the conflict that you see in the book is exactly the conflict that we faced when we decided doing the project. So, I think it's well represented then. And it still is. No, we were, I was approached to do the project by the government of the state of Jalisco. And for me, it was always very difficult to think that I was going to intervene in this context, which is very foreign to me. 
I'm Mexican, and I was raised in a Catholic environment. And I'm not Catholic, but I was raised in there, and I know the, the religion and the culture. I'm very foreign still. I thought, well, then let's create a group of very totally foreign heads with people, local people, working together, since we are already foreign. So we probably can have a, a vision that it's even more peripheric to to intervene in such a place, no? It was very difficult. I, I must say that we thought we, we were going to be able to understand the project before we intervened, it, and we never did. We only have started to understand it by this compilation of visits and of images, and we have a film. It's the only moment where we're starting, we are starting to understand the intervention that we did already, and it's done in the place. So, so, so what, it's helpful. <laughs> so so what, what did you learn? What did you understand? No, we, un we understood probably that the first thing that the pilgrims were happy about it, they really didn't care about the architecture at all, was that there was an, happening an intervention because they felt taken care. Okay. So the mm -hmm. first pilgrimage that took place when already some pieces were there, their reaction to it were super positive because they really felt that finally the government was paying attention to their cult ritual. No, it's a ritual. And through the years, we've, we probably would have done things differently, but probably the result would have been exactly the same because we're very foreign to that context and to the landscape and to everything. But I think it's also a good thing because it, they have become important gathering places, which they needed to be. And they have gave shelter to the pilgrims that they didn't have. Now, right now, what they're doing is they're appropriating the spaces mm -hmm. and uh, making them part of them. No? So they're painting them, they're modifying them, they're intervening it, and those only things are good. Mm -hmm. and, and will they ever see this book, you think? No, it, nobody has seen it because it hasn't been published yet. Okay, but do, do, you, <laughs> do you think they will see it? Or do you? We're trying to figure out, that's one of the big questions, actually, we were yesterday talking about how we, we were going to introduce this book in, instead of just lounging it in a, in a book lounge, how are we going to, to come with it out? And one of the things is, that's the topic, it's an open topic, we still don't know. Mm. You could sense in the previous conversations that there's maybe a bit of... People don't really know why a book should be published apart from the fact that they like to have one. So it's, in general, more for personal reasons than for mar market reasons. Why do you think it's important to have this book? Or for you, it's maybe not so important to have it? No, as I said, like for me, all these things that we've done, like compiling all these photographs in one document, for me, has been... Uh, allowing me to go back and review uh, all the things that we did. And I also think it's a, a little bit creating a narrative that it doesn't exist anywhere else. It doesn't exist in the place, because it's not the narrative of the place. It doesn't exist in the project that we did. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a narrative from itself, which is a different thing. No? So it's not the same if people have done the pilgrimage, then they will get the book. It's a totally different narrative that they will get. And I think that also something has a quality on it, no? Mm -hmm. I would like you to respond also on your book. What is the attachment or how is the, the people receiving this book and what do Albanians think, Iranians think about it? That's a very good question. I can say the reason why we made it was because the context is quite exotic, to us at least. Also rather messy, 
And so to make a book is a, to somehow have a place where you can reflect about these things, just like what you say about your book, that there's a kind of space where you can look with a certain distance and start to structure and understand information because you create that overview. And having the structure of a book allows you to choose to edit. Um, so in that sense, the reason to make it, the first reason was a very personal one. It's also published by a publisher that doesn't publish architecture books. It's a friend of mine. But now it has, um, it's in the kind of international circles of distribution. It's distribute, distributed by um, ID Books, mm -hmm. which is the, one of the uh, regular inter international distributors. And I think in Tirana, but it's maybe more a question for Falma to uh, answer, it has a bit of a different status because it's, it's maybe a bit of a hybrid book and it also is in one of the main and even only books, bookshops in, um, in, the, in the center of the city. And it also is in the airport. So um, that's, that's I find nice. quite striking that this type of book, which is would normally you would never see in an airport, is in the airport of Tirana next to uh, John Grisham and next to... Uh, yeah, I don't know how, how much they, they, they sell, but it's, it's for sale. And I've met people that told me, yeah, yeah I bought your book in the, in the airport of Tirana. That's, that's what I like about it. It has this kind of other route, found another audience. And what do you decided? I mean, for me, it's really beautiful that you have all the documentation on how you did the projects and also the documentation of the project plans, drawings, etc. But you said there's a version only with the photo mm -hmm. novel. That, for me, gave me already a lot of information of the mm -hmm. project. You never thought of just doing that? Yeah, probably that would have been a good idea to not publish the project overview publicly, but to keep it for ourselves and then just to have the first part. But that's maybe where we lacked the editor, because we, can, we set it up completely by ourselves. So maybe we should have had someone to give us that type of remark. Yes, because in my case, I didn't want to put any information on the projects. And Lars said, no, we have to. It's an, it's an architecture book, so you mm. have to put the information of the projects. Yeah. And in a sense, well, since it's a collaborative project, also I think it's important mm. that it shows what everybody did, no? Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, the, so the idea was to um, have only the picture part because we thought it would be more open to a non-architecture audience. And strangely enough, the remarks that I get from non-architects is that they read, the, they, they like the last part almost the best, even if they don't read plans, but somehow gives a feeling of dig digging into someone's personal stuff. Because it is, it's mm. not only the drawings, that's a beautiful part mm. because you have your notes, mm. the sketches, the photographs you personally took yeah. while doing the projects, the interviews, so yeah. that's, that's very interesting. Yes, I think so too, and I think that's maybe the, that's the reason why all of, all of these architects publish their books, because in the end it's, it is a, you have to take a personal engagement and you have to take a position, you have to decide what you want and what you don't want, and um, that's what I appreciate about um, this decade of more yeah. personal publishing. I think it has to do with that, with this idea of being autonomous, but still in connection to others. So you have to somehow define your position, not because you find it so... Um, yeah, there's, maybe it's out of vanity, but I think it's more than that. It's really, without this definition of a position, it's very hard to reach out to others. That's what I find interesting about also this Biennale in general, is that you see a series of very personal positions, which is a very good start to construct a dialogue. And I think today, maybe also the ease of publishing allows it to work like that. It's rather expensive to do. <laughs> um, so we were lucky that we found a sponsor, 
the publisher didn't pay anything. He, he just organizes the distribution. But even if it's a quite an expensive investment, I think it's really worthwhile. So maybe you choose between investing in a car or investing okay. in a book, and maybe for your own growth path, it's better to do the last. The I like that as a closing thought that we will invest in books. I think one thing that I was really struck by in this conversation is that in moments like this, I think it's easy to sometimes feel like the audience for architecture is architects when we're in a discursive space like this. But these projects and these books, I think, are beautiful reminders that the audience of architecture is a, a larger, more nebulous public that we will not actually know how they encounter our work, either our buildings or our words. And, and I think that's a, a wonderful thing to keep in mind as we sort of think about these sorts of books also. So thank you so much, Tatiana and Frieden. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP in collaboration with ARC Daily. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu. Thank you.